Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. I will go with my father a-plowing to the green field by the sea, and the rooks and the crows and the seagull will come flocking after me. I will sing to the patient horses with the lark in the wild of the air, and my father will sing the plow song that blesses the clearing share. Welcome to Fire Festival's Imbolc, the 28th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century Irish poet Joseph Campbell. No, not that one. You may call me Ode. <laughs> you can call me Carr. I'm oddly enough Ode's father. Mary Meat, my name is Gwyn Ode's mother. And boy, wow. did you speed through that. <laughs> you know I have two modes. And they are five-minute pause and 30 words in five seconds. Which can happen at any time. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, at, at any interval. Right. Well, without be, explanation. That's true. And it's good to be back recording again. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, After yeah. sickness. And, and laryngitis. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, so shit. first, Carr acquired a flu. Yes, I did. And that was bad. But it didn't interrupt our recording schedule. So it was kind of fine. Yeah. Yeah, because I got it, like, the night that we recorded the last time we recorded. And then he was better by the time we were going to record again. But then I got it (laughs) the day before we were going to record. And then it lingered for a whole (laughs) nother two weeks. Yeah. It was It's been a little ridiculous. It's been ridiculous. Yeah. So, but I am finally recovered, mostly. I might cough, but probably in a way that I will be able to edit out. (laughs) <laughs> as opposed to previously where it was just going to be like an hour of hacking yeah, <coughs> and a very squeaky sound <laughs> instead of true. my voice yeah so we might be a little disjointed or out of sorts for this episode just because we've sort of we, not done it for a month yeah we, we we've lost our stride i guess <laughs> um and also because we're doing basically the second round of our wheel of the year content Last year, which was our our first year doing anything with a <laughs> podcast, right. we did the Wheel of the Year every holiday as it was coming up. So we asked you guys and you said that it, you were interested in having another year of content about the holidays. So we wanted to do sort of deeper dive stuff. But right. correspondingly, that means the stuff we've covered previously, which was like the, the details and the sort of the glossing over the specifics of, of the holiday... We've already covered that. So right. we're trying to dig a little deeper, which means we're not as structured right. in, in these episodes as mm-hmm. we have been in previous yep. holiday episodes. Yep. That is correct. Guess what I have to do? I know. Yeah. First first Patience. of all. Yeah. Let's do that first. <laughs> all right. Before we Get forget. All right. We have 13 kittens of whom we don't name, but we still love them. We do we love, love them. We love you, kittens. We do love them. And we have a kitten now. We do. You are represented by our literal kitten. Who is is on the couch. Balthazar. (laughs) All right. And then we have 12 cats. Mm -hmm. They are Emily Hagland, Gary Bearstorm, Jasmine Ray Bell, Kathleen O'Sullivan Cook, Marie Gray, Marcella M., Michelle Kovach Burkett, Sarah Presher, Susan DeHaan, Sid Montgomery, Tally Kazoyle Thomason, Tanya Allen. Wow. We got a lot of cats. We have a ton of cats. That's awesome. Hunters. We have 17 of them. I I can't believe we have more hunters than we have cats. Yeah. That is amazing. And they are Aries, Brandon Summit, Charles Howison, Darby Lockridge, Aaron Mao, Fenn Ashburn, Henry Woodenhouse, 
Kay Kremer, Carly, Lee Lynn, Lorelai, Markia Allen, Stephen Brown, Stevie Thompson, Susan Johnson, and Wick. And then we have two tigers, Akaneko mm-hmm. and Crystal Potinen. And then we have two Jaguars. Jaguar. Thank you. <laughs> Justin Stanage and Leanne Stevis. Uh, which I'm also amazed we have two of those. I yes, know. I know, yeah. Yeah, yep. we, we just, we so appreciate you guys. We were just talking today about uh, some upcoming events, and you guys helping us out with your patronage. Yeah, is how we get to is go. Is how we get to go to these yep. things, it, it, and to do the things that we do. So we really, yeah, really which I appreciate guess, it. I guess we should talk about the facts, the, the upcoming thing we're doing. Convocation. Uh, yeah, Convocation. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, that our patrons are essentially paying yeah. for. Well, they're well, helping. They're helping. Yeah. They're helping. But I also started a GoFundMe for it. <laughs> it's it's, it's an expensive. expensive. It's an yeah. expensive venture. Because we're going for, last year we went for one, one day. day. Yep. We drove up, we spent the day, and we left before the final ceremony of the night because it was like 8 p.m. and we still had an hour and a half to drive. <laughs> yep. Two and a half. Yeah. So, half. yeah. so we left. Yeah. But this year, we are going for all four days. The whole shebang. Yep. Yeah, from Thursday to Sunday, which means we need a hotel. Right. That's right. And food. And food, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, We need to eat things, good. you know. So, yeah, so we're we're working on those things, but uh, our Patreon supporters are assisting with, with, that. with that whole process. Because we also have to buy tickets and everything. And the yeah. great thing is we're not only going to be going to Convocation. Yeah, we're not just attending. We are going to be teaching at Convocation yep. and... And we're going to be doing a ton of interviews that you will yes. want to hear on the podcast, including Witch Doctor Utu. That's going to we're, be interesting. We're, we're, we're interested in that one, yeah. That's James Stovall and Sarah Odinson. Which... Very excited. <gasps> Jason Mankey. That right? Is yep, that's awesome. a big one. Yep, that's a big one. Ivo Dominguez Jr. Also a big one. Yep. He doing a ton, some... He's doing a ton of classes there, yeah. by the way. He is, he is. I'm Ellen, amazed he's going to have time for us. Ellen Duggan and Tess Whitehurst. And it's going to be so hard for me not to fangirl. <laughs> I'm going to have to really hold myself Control back. Control yourself. Control yourself. Because I love Ellen Dugan and Tess Dial it back. Dial it back. <laughs> and then I'm in talks right now with Storm Fairy Wolf and <gasps> Devin Hunter about having them on as well. Don't oh let them listen to the episodes where we just gush about <laughs> Storm Fairy Wolf for, for Storm, seven years. It's like, oh, Storm Fairy Wolf. We're also interviewing Jackie Smith, who is Coventry Creation. She also is a radio host. Uh, she's co-owner of the Candlewick Shop in Ferndale. They do the the witches, isn't it? Like the a club? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Where they send you like, here's how to you get do badges. A yeah, thing. little yeah. badges yeah. and cards. And yeah, all like being of... in the Girl Scouts, but for yeah. witches. Right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. So we'll be talking to her as well. Ken Day is also oh, nice. uh, we're in talks right now about Sorry. having him on for interviews. So these will not be all in one episode. I'm no, going to kind of no, spread obviously. them out. As a matter of fact, they'll probably be episodes on their own. We'll just call them interviews. Yeah, probably. Because I'm talking to each person about an hour. Yeah. You'll get a bunch of notifications, notifications <laughs> in your feed. Weird. So there'll be extra episodes for you guys. I'll put them under the Our Community tab. And probably. we will upload them uh, 30 days early to Patreon. So before they're live, for everybody else, you'll have 30 days where if you're a patron and you're on Patreon at all from Kitten or Up, 
uh, you will have the opportunity to listen to these. Yeah, you'll get access to these to episodes early. early. Yeah. To these the episodes. only one that probably will not be for is the James Stovall, Sarenth Odinson one, because we are actually going to be releasing that episode the same day they released that episode. Yeah. It's so, going to be cool. On their podcast. <laughs> We're cross-podcasting. We're cross-podcasting. Uh-huh. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. We are doing a class at Convocation, but it's going to be a teens class. We are doing the, it's, that's teens what it's, and up. yeah, teens but and it's up. listed on, uh, under the, the teen category. Yes. So if you're looking for it on the schedule, it's in the little red color. That means teens can attend. Yep. And it's, uh, the building your book series, but the speed version, the ultra, ultra high, high speed, speed edition, ultra high speed, <laughs> where we're going to condense all of our building your book content into one single hour long, I think. Yeah. Class. So. That thing earlier today where I spoke very fast, expect more of that. <laughs> <laughs> and now a commercial brought to you by our lovely Tygo Crystal Potenin, whose name we're coming closer we're, we're, at. We're approaching. <laughs> and it's for Apothecary Tea Store, which Crystal owns and runs. Apothecary Tea is a purveyor of fine, loose-leaf tea blends from herbal to white. They provide a carefully curated range of options from traditional greens like Dragon Well to fanciful blacks like Black Forest Cake. And it sure doesn't hurt that their blends are pretty to look at too. Elder Tea Pop of Blue, Queen of Hearts Luscious Blush are particularly compelling. For this time of year, we at Three Pagans and a Cat suggest you take a look at their chai. It's a smooth and spicy blend of black Darjeeling, cinnamon, clove, cardamom, fennel seed, black peppercorn, and nutmeg to warm up your winter. Connect with them on social media with the hashtag MyApothecaryTea and find them out online at ApothecaryTeaStore.com. Oh, yeah, so everybody knows (laughs) because we were sick Mm -hmm. and kind of out of pocket, for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. uh, we're doing an episode tonight, we're doing an episode next Next Sunday, and we're doing an episode the Sunday after. Three weeks in a row, people. Three weeks in a row. Yeah. We're not moving to a weekly schedule. I swear to God, we're not. <laughs> nope. But just just, a- just this one little segment of time while we catch up. Right. We're <laughs> going to do this once before when he yeah. was yeah. Uh, had surgery yeah. and did three in a row. Yep. So, so it's, it's going to be like that. It's I do up. Although say, for a though, significantly less severe injury. Yeah. <laughs> are we are we done with all this? Yeah, yeah we're I done with all, we're all, all done with all the, yeah, the usual, the usual intro bibble babble. Yep. Bibble babble bobble booble. Yeah. yeah. So who wants to start talking about Imbolc? I think we should start with Gwyn mm-hmm. because technically speaking, Imbolc is considered a Brigid holiday. It is. And Gwyn it- is the one who has the most like direct connection to Brigid. <laughs> well, yes, since she has been my patron uh-huh. goddess <laughs> since, oh, the beginning. Uh-huh. Right. And, the, uh, the very the beginning very of all beginning your things. Of all my things. And honestly, I think she's been with me since childhood when I look back on some things. Yes, we've talked about that before, <laughs> about how you perceive... Brigid's visage and about an encounter you had as a young child. That's right. That's right. But yes, so Imbolc is uh, obviously February 1st through the 2nd, really. And it is a introduction or I guess uh, a celebration of spring returning. It's the celebration of the lambing season beginning, you know, in, in ancient Ireland, basically, mm-hmm. and just new birth, new growth. At that time of the year, a lot of women were having their babies because they'd been getting busy during okay. Beltane. And so, <laughs> which is a fertility festival. <laughs> so many of them are. <laughs> all those babies started being born around the 1st of February. And 
Brigid is one of those goddesses where she has v- many aspects. She Lady wears a lot of hats. She wears a lot of hats. She is a goddess of the fi- of fire and forge and the hearth. She is a goddess of poetry and art. She is a goddess of smithing. She is the goddess of visionary seers and prophecy. So she and then and she's also uh, been Christianized into Saint Brigid, mm-hmm. uh, who Saint was Bridget. Bridget. Yeah, Bridget. Yeah. Bridget. Saint Bridget. You know, who was very, very popular, second only to Patrick in Ireland. So, I mean, she, this, this is a goddess who she's one of the ancient, there's the possibility she could be right up there as one of the most ancient goddesses in Ireland, uh, as far as worship is considered. She's either considered to be the wife of the Dagda or the daughter of the Dagda, depending on which story could you're be, reading. Could be both. Could right, be yeah, both. Yeah, exactly. They're you gods, know, so. um, there are some who say she has two sisters who are also named Brigid or Bridget or Bridget Tower, <laughs> you say her name. There are some people who think that it's just more additional aspects of right. the same ancient goddess. Mm-hmm. The point is, she is... She is big, she is bad, <laughs> and so she is... She's the shit, is she's what the we're shit. saying. Right, cool. Bridget is the... <laughs> she is the shit. And uh, so February 2nd, 1st, 2nd, Imbolc is her day, technically. And so a lot of celebrations happened and centered around Bridget. And we, we talked about that last year when we talked mm-hmm. about Imbolc, about the making of the doll um, mm-hmm. yeah, and the, the, the bed doll. and yeah. things like that. This year, I've been doing some more reading on some of the traditions of Imbolc, ancient and that are still continued apparently to this day. One of those is if you have a hearth, you would smooth out, they would smooth out the ashes on their hearth because not unlike Santa Claus, apparently Bridget would go and visit all the homes through your hearth. <laughs> through your hearth. Makes sense for um, a goddess who's very into fire. Into fire. Right, yeah. She's, a, you know, the endless flame in the morning if you're hearth was disturbed, you know, if the ashes had been disturbed, Mm -hmm. then she had visited your home and blessed your home. If they were still flat, then you must have done something to piss her off. And uh, so they would offer, they would make some kind of offering of libation to ask her to come back and to please bless their home. Please come to my house. (laughs) The other thing that that is still done, apparently, is um, to lay either a cloth or a ribbon that's been measured so you know exactly how long it is, leave it in front of your door. And if in the morning it has lengthened, then again, you have been blessed. If it is shortened, you better get the libations ready. (laughs) (laughs) And that comes probably from the legend of Brigid's Cloak. Brigid's Cloak, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And do you want to share the legend of Brigid's Cloak? Do you remember Uh, I don't remember if there's one associated with Brigid specifically, but I know that St. Bridget is supposed to, if she wanted the specific piece of land to build a monastery on, and she couldn't get the landowner to agree to sell it to her, or to give it to her, I guess, because churches and taxes and things. She couldn't get the landowner to agree to cede this land to her. So finally, being sarcastic, the landowner told her she could have as much land as she could spread her cloak over to build her monastery on. So St. Bridget said, okay. And she took off her cloak and she had her maid who was with her, who I guess was another, I don't know. Probably another nun. Priestess or nun or whatever. Hold one end of the cloak and put it down on the ground. And then she took the other end of the cloak and she started walking away. And she kept walking and she kept walking and she kept walking 
and she kept walking, and then she started working, <laughs> walking in another direction, you know, because a monastery needs to not just have length, it also has to have width. And then she kept walking, and she kept walking, and she kept walking. And, long and when she short. had taken, <laughs> when she had taken all the land she wanted, and then some, she put down her cloak. That's it. And... The landowner said, well, I guess I brought that one on myself. (laughs) This is a miracle, so I guess you get whatever you want. Exactly. And like with these, with the cloths or the ribbons that Mm -hmm. are left to be blessed by Brigid or Bridget, depending Mm -hmm. on who you do this for, they can be used for healing throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, because Brigid is associated with With healing. healing. Yep, exactly. And so is St. Bridget. Yep. And that's the, again, I find it fascinating that she's one that she so was many, very thoroughly syncretized. She was very thoroughly syncretized. Many of, of the ways that she was worshipped were brought into rites and rituals for St. Bridget. Well, even the story about how St. Bridget was supposed to have been the midwife of, of Jesus, of Jesus yes. relates to Brigid's associations with childbirth. Childbirth. In fact, I was reading because she's obviously the goddess of, of, of childbirth, they would apparently, they would have their babies in the doorway mm-hmm. because it's considered a, a thin, a thin a liminal place, a liminal location, place. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why the ribbon is left in front of the door by the, by the threshold because Bridget would come there to help uh, assist so were th- wives with the, the birthing or women with the birthing of children. Sure. So were thresholds associated with Brigid? Um, I can like as a location. I, I think so. I'm not sure. I'd have to do a little bit more research okay. into that. But I think because of the association with childbirth, that seems to be why she's associated with with the threshold. Hmm. Ardoin said that Brigid was born at dawn in the threshold of her mother's. Ah, okay. thank you. So thresholds. There you go. Thank you. I knew well, there was I love some... it when our when our, our listeners, listeners are, are like, like, "Hey, I know more than you." I know this. I know this mythology. <laughs> I appreciate that because yeah. I I had read that somewhere and I lost it. Lot, so yeah. I knew I knew thresholds were important somehow. <laughs> and then oh, and the one other thing, Brigid's cross, which is still a very popular, popular symbol, symbol for yeah. her, both in Christianity, Celtic Christianity, and in in neo paganism. Brigid's cross is a, is a big symbol. It's another one of the Saint Bridget's stories. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the legend goes that St. Bridget was walking past a home, and it was uh, there was an ailing chieftain. He was alone. He was dying, and there were no druids left to, to cross him over into the, you know, into the mm-hmm. other world. And so she stayed there, and she tended to him, and she was, like, you know, wiping his brow. And she felt so sad for him that she could not share her new god with him, mm-hmm. that she went out and gathered the reeds and created this cross and then used it to explain the new this new god to mm. this chieftain to help him cross over in peace you know that kind of is it, that's a very abbreviated <laughs> version but the idea is that you know that's where that came from right so honestly i find it interesting that it really is a christian symbol it's been widely adopted but by it pagans has been today. widely mm-hmm. adopted by pagans as a symbol of brigid so again it's that whole kind of seamless syncretization yeah. of, of a saint with a goddess yeah, I guess if you can't beat them, join them. Right? We were talking about this, too, because some of the colors that are associated with the Imbolc are blue and white. Mm-hmm. But the colors that are associated with Brigid are red and orange and yellow because of the fire and right. the light, you know, of the, of the returning sun and and things like that. So it, it's kind of an, it's interesting. So I guess my question for you is, like, because Brigid has so many 
aspects. aspects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what is what is the face, I guess, of Brigid that you connect with most, especially at Imbolc at this time of year? Well, it's really, that's the thing, is because she's got so many faces. I mean, I, I associate her with, we don't have a hearth, but I have a, <laughs> an altar in my kitchen where she and Frigga are, are both represented um, and as well as uh, the Morgan, but really, when I'm when I light my candle and I'm I'm saying an invocation there, it's really to either Brigid or to Frigga, depending on the situation. Mm. So part of it, you know, I I really relate to her as a as a, a hearth and home mother figure, I suppose. But then also, I'm I'm a, a medium and a psychic, and so I've related to her in meditation through as a seer. Mm-hmm. And so she's come to me as a, the goddess of seers, right? As well. So it's a it's kind of hard to to pinpoint. She's come to me in various aspects. Interesting, because mm-hmm, she is she's a multifaceted does, goddess. Does one of them take more precedence, or is one of them stronger or more prevalent at this time of year? At this time of year, I would say the hearth. The hearth? Yeah, I would say the hearth at this time of year. Because, again, it's the idea of bringing light and, you know, bringing life back right. into the home after the darkness of winter. Cool. Do you have anything to contribute, Carl? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're German. also, you know, celtic Yeah. Yeah, so... Celtic-y? Celtic-y. 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 Is that a word? That's a new word. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My understanding was that Imbolc focuses on Brigid as both mother because mm-hmm. of birth. Okay, the whole lambing season thing. Right, exactly. And as maiden. So... Oh, oh because of the, like, the newness of correct. the thing. Yep. Of the year. Right, and Brigid also gave birth to the sun god at the winter solstice. So mm. that's how that... In the in Celtic cosmology, yep. Yep. that makes sense. Interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then in her maiden aspect, it's healing and that kind of stuff. Okay. Is where it comes mm-hmm. in, so to ways to consider improving health, that kind of thing. Okay. Right. Time for Odes Stone Corner. Woot woot! Excellent. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're going to be covering. Fluorite. Sometimes it's also called fluorspar, but you usually see that in like a chemical context. But if you do happen to see it labeled as fluorspar, don't be alarmed. It's exactly the same as regular fluorite. So fluorite is a very widely occurring mineral. It lends its name to the property called fluorescence. In the 1870s, fluorescence was discovered and it was named for fluorite because fluorite exhibits this property, which is the emission of light by a substance that has absorbed some kind of electromagnetic radiation, often other light sources. So fluorite, when it's under ultraviolet light, Mm -hmm. emits usually a blue light, regardless of the color of the actual piece of fluoride itself. Interesting. Fluorite can be found in any color. It's often banded, so most specimens will be multiple colors. The most common colors for fluorite are green and purple, followed by blue and yellow, but it can also be found in black, in pink, in red, and in colorless variations. The color of fluorite is determined by a number of factors, uh, and I'm not going to get into all of them here because it's very sciencey. but <laughs> <laughs> two of the most relevant factors in determining the color that a fluorite is going to be are mineral impurities and exposure to various forms of radiation. Oh, interesting. Neat. Yeah. 
Fluorite is, in addition to being, it's a relatively soft stone, so it's not actually used for lapidary purposes, like in jewelry very often, but it is used sometimes. It's most often in like a, a commercial context used as a flux in iron smelting. So if you use fluorite when as a flux material when you're smelting iron, the slag, which is the, the like runoff product from removing the metal from the ore, will have a reduced viscosity, which makes it easier to filter. Hmm. Also, fluorite has a low diffusion rate. It has a lower degree of chromatic aberration compared to most kinds of crystal and even glass. So although it is very, very hard to find clear pieces of fluorite that are of sufficient quality to use in lenses, synthetically grown fluorite is often used to create lens components for very high-powered telescopes and microscopes because there's less chromatic aberration in the lens, which means you get a clearer, less diffused image. Interesting. Yeah. So I think of fluorite not as a way opener, but as a way finder. If there is a way to do the thing, fluorite will help you find that way. Think like water when you're dealing with fluorite. You are not trying to muscle your way through a situation. You're trying to flow through a situation. Okay. What kind of way fluorite will help you find depends on the color of the fluorite you're dealing with. So like a blue fluorite is good at finding creative solutions. Purple fluorite has more of a spiritual element to it. Green fluorite has a very sort of soothing healing quality to it. Green and purple fluorite, which you often see together, are therefore really good for like dealing with spiritual wounds. Okay. And then the other thing fluorite tends to be good at is clearing out clutter sort of in your thought process and allowing you but not forcing you to see a situation clearly. So if you don't want to, it won't make you, unlike some stones that I know, but you have a better chance of getting a clear view of the situation with fluorite's influence than without it. It's not a very pushy stone. It's very agreeable. And if you don't want to do the thing, it won't make you. But it is a clarifier, let's say. So is fluorite also related to fluoride? Yes. Calcium fluoride is the mineral that right. makes up uh, fluorite. Yeah. And it's also in fluoride. Interesting. Yep. It's very interesting. So you could brush your teeth with this stone. I don't recommend uh, it. <laughs> probably not. All right. Well, it's worth a try. <laughs> and that's it for Odes Stone Corner! <laughs> oh, no, I wanted to go back to uh, the question that you asked about what did I feel like the emphasis was for mm-hmm. Imbolc. Imbolc is actually a really good time to do divination because she is a goddess of seers and prophets. Fair so enough. it's a, it's an excellent time to do all kinds of divination. So is that's... there not a festival that's a good time <laughs> to do divination? <laughs> it seems like every time we talk about, you know, a wheel of yeah, beer Yeah, great festival, time to do divination. It's a yeah. great time to hint, do divination. It's <laughs> a great time to do divination. It's like when you... I don't, uh, I've stopped looking up the, like, <laughs> the widely, fertility. no, no, I've stopped looking up the widely accepted, like, uses for stones, because all of them start with, blah is a very protective stone. <laughs> <laughs> so now I just go with the scientific properties and my own personal vibe yeah, right. yeah. on but, the individual rocks I have. 
But again, I'm, I will reiterate, she is a goddess yeah, of true. seers right. and prophets. Sure. So it does make and sense. And poets. And poets. So, hey. And the fact that there's no difference between those two. That's right. right. And so that would also be a great time if you want to, you know, if you want to write a poem or do something, you know, with I think, art. I, I think in bulk is just a good time to start things. Yeah. It's a very good time to start any kind of a new venture, mm-hmm. a new project. Anything like that. Yeah. And I don't know if these two are going to be celebrating in bulk, but I'm planning to celebrate the day, <laughs> personally. I'll celebrate with you. Okay. <laughs> Depends on where I'm at at that point. Yes. <laughs> if I'm working too much or what. Well, I'm going to have a candle but, going all day to uh, represent the eternal flame. So. Right. Yeah, talk about the eternal flame thing. Well, I know that um, it has to do with St. Bridget. Right. Uh, and it's um, supposedly the site where the abbey at Kildare was built was a formerly a, 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 a pagan, pagan site. site for Brigid. As, you know, as usual. As usual. Yeah. At one point, a fire was built. I, I don't remember the specific reason. Maybe the person who remembered about <laughs> Brigid being born over the threshold. It was our Darren. The fire was kept was tended to by the nuns and continually, and it never went out for 500 years. Okay. Is what the legend. The legends. I mean, uh, if it does go out, no one's going to admit to it. Gonna, right, yeah. <laughs> but no, my understanding. No, 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 no it was no. fine. It was fine. <laughs> but I know it rained. It was no, fine. No, no. But my understanding is, is that previous to that, when there was a pagan site, she was the goddess of the hearth. She was the goddess of the forge, mm-hmm. and so there was a fire in that that was always tended to by the priestesses of Brigid, but that never went out. So is Brigid supposed to be an eternal flame, like? embody an eternal flame or is she just associated with an eternal flame i think just associated with i think okay yeah Yeah. okay she is again the goddess of the forge and the hearth and so yeah she's associated with the eternal flame there is so much about brigitte that i honestly don't know Mm -hmm. that you know there's always something to learn so (laughs) well and she because she has so many aspects yes. or facets. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's hard to get a grip on all of her right. at once. I mean, she's supposed, you know, again, she's in some of the stories, she is the wife of the Dagda and basically helped create the Tawatha de Danan. Mm-hmm. You, know? <laughs> you know, I believe she also some, you know, like she's come to me bearing an apple. Mm-hmm. And I, when I go to see her in meditation, I meet her under an apple tree. And mm-hmm. that's all part of the underworld mm-hmm. mythology of Brigid. So, you know, there's so much that is, a, so swans are associated with her, That which yeah. is, and I have a crystal swan, uh, which represents her on the altar. As are owls and yep. bees. Yeah, and so many things. So many things. Sadly, is we it, found out because yeah, we, when we did, did that box. box. Yeah. Is, it, is it bumblebees? Yes, yeah. yeah. I do have some stuff to talk about. Excellent. Cool. From the Celtic side of things, pre-Christianization. Right. Mm-hmm. Pre um, the Saint Bridget. Right. Pre-Saint Bridget. So, in bulk was a celebration of the end of winter mm-hmm. and the impending light half of the year. Right. Okay. So, like, the hard part of it was over. Food rationing was ending. No warfare was finally ending, which was an integral part of Celtic society. <laughs> so... The ability right, to pick up your weapons again. Yeah, everything basically was on, everything so, yeah, on a yep. ceasefire, yep. right? Yeah. Basically, exactly, so yep. they got to yep. say during the depths of winter. Correct. Yeah. So they got to say we're no longer at peace. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. now we can go back to fighting each other. <laughs> uh, farmers are getting ready to go back to work, preparing animals for breeding. Mm-hmm. Warriors, of course, picking up weapons, starting to practice. 
Uh, yeah, of course, because I'm sure everybody gets out of practice during winter. Right, right exactly, right. like we do. And the political and social aspects of life that have been put on hold oh. are basically all restarting. So okay. you basically spent winter holed up in your... You know, just your surviving. Homes, your mud-dogged hut ate food that you had prepared. Partak or whatever. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, preserved yeah. for that. So the name Imbolc, which we say now, was originally Imblog, which translates into in the belly. Interesting. So it is a it's a, a birthing, birthing process. So it's in the belly getting ready to come out. Originally referred to livestock. Right. Uh, in particular lambs because so sheep would have their babies before cows would. Mm. And that's uh. because they could get to the grass easier uh, as it first started to yep. shoot up through the snow. Hardier mm-hmm. um, animals, right? Exactly. So they um, were. So you got sheep's milk, but ahead of cow's milk. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure being able to get the sheep's milk also was a benefit to the to the people because then they could have couldn't wouldn't they drink the sheep's milk too or make cheese? Yes. Or, yeah. They yeah. could so have yeah, all of that kind of stuff. A, could get started it was fresher again. Yeah, you could start was able fresh to be again, yeah. added yeah. back to their diet. Right. And Imbolc was actually celebrated in Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man. They had slightly different variations and names for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the one from the Isle of Man because... <laughs> That's a know, heck of a language. Right, it's exactly. A heck of a language. Imbolc, though, has been pretty much lost. And we know little bits about it. A lot of the other festivals we know way more about. Because other people wrote about them. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yep. But the Celts were always concerned about weather. And so Imbolc was a, a, an important time to read omens and attempt to predict the weather for the oh. summer, um, which meant looking at a thing. There's a, a, an actual a malicious creature in Irish folklore. called. There the, are so many malicious creatures in Irish folklore. Right. Called the Kalilak, which would spend the day of Imbolc collecting firewood for herself if winter was to last a while longer. Interesting. Right? But to do this, she would need a bright day that was dry to collect her wood. Uh-huh. So if Imbolc was wet and windy, it meant that Kaliak had gone back to sleep and winter would soon be over. Was she which supposed is to be exactly, Which is exactly the opposite of what you would think. Which also, yeah. if you think about it, Groundhog's, Groundhog's Day, day yeah. is yeah. exactly the opposite of, of what, what you, you would think. think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if he sees his shadow, he goes back in. And winter is going to last for another six weeks, six, or, six weeks yeah. or something, right? So it's the exact same thing. So you can see how we got the Groundhog's Day from this original. Yeah. Uh, visiting wells are also a very important custom for Imbolc. Wells in general were yeah. very important yep. for holidays. And I do know that. I, and again, I think Brigid is associated with wells. Yes, also. Mm, yep. many of the gods are associated and with the, wells. Uh, yeah. Visitors would walk around the well in the same direction the sun traversed the sun sky wells. at that point, praying for health and wealth for the year. Offerings were also left there. And then coins are clouties, pieces mm. of cloth. <laughs> so special foods were also a part of the festivities, all kinds of stuff, but lots of dairy, lots of meat, oh. that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, Everybody's celebrating the fact that they had food again. Right, exactly. For contemporary druids, mm-hmm. we reflect on the, the actions of nature. You know, things are starting to come back to life around this time. They're starting to, although we just In had 18 places. inches of snow. In some places, um, they're starting to <laughs> come right, back yep. to life at this time. You know, but this is the time when the world slowly kind of springs back into action. The sun um, is coming out, you know, staying out longer. Right. Yep. Early, early flowers, yep. yeah. early spring flowers. And it's time for small tasks that were neglected through the winter. So, you know, you start getting stuff ready for planting yeah. and you start, you know, all that kind of stuff. Rituals and activities can include making of candles, planting spring flowers, reading poetry and telling stories. And then 
you know, the Druid tradition for Imbolc, which is also was called Omek, which is the, the used the milk, used milk yep, mm-hmm. is that we would, the melting of the snow was coming, that kind of stuff. And it's the first glimmers of spring. So we would take this and honor the mother goddess with eight candles rising up out of water in the middle of a ceremonial uh, circle. So you can kind of still see the well. Sounds right? highly dramatic. And the fire. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so you get those that that fire and water. Surprised it's going eight in and there. not nine. Yeah, I, I was as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it for me. What 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 is the mother goddess for you? Well, who would that be? Would that the be land. Brigid or oh, no, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. So Earth. Okay, yep. interesting. Yeah, is the Earth a personified? Because I don't know this. I don't really engage with the Celtic mm-hmm. uh, pantheon at all. Is the Earth personified in Celtic mythology? Uh, that would be Danu. Okay, who is kind of the mother goddess of all. Mm-hmm. I thought Danu was associated with a river or something. I didn't realize well, yes, she was like, yes, yes, yeah, oh, okay. the Danube. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the Danube River um, is also named for Danu, but that's... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where the Tuatha Dé Danann get their, their, their name. name. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But yep. again, the Brigid and, Brigid and the Dagda are, a, are part of that with Danu. Correct, yes. Yeah. Uh, but she's still considered the mother. Mm-hmm. And um, sort of and the, and the projection of Earth. Correct, Earth. yeah. Okay, yep. Earth interesting. Mother. Does she precede them in some way? Like, is she? Yes. I don't. I'm not. I think I'm not clear on like the... first who then pro- who produced Brigid and okay. the Dagda. Right. Okay. And then yeah. they went and it went on from there. Interesting. Okay, yep, yep. that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's time for <laughs> Gwen's garden gems. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So you're welcome. <laughs> In honor of Imbolc, today what I'm going to talk about is tansy, because tansy is one of the herbs that is associated, at least with, you know, in some of the lists, Mm -hmm. with Imbolc. And so tansy is part of the daisy family, and it can grow to about three to four feet. It has a serrated fern-like leaf and yellow flowers that kind of look like buttons. So, uh, and it's also related to ragweed. So, th- I'm gonna. So, put if you're this allergic there, to ragweed, allergic to ragweed, you might not want to mess with tansy. <laughs> and it is also, I looked, it is not one that you really can grow in a pot, except maybe from seed to small plant, and then plant it, it in the but garden. But it won't get to like. But three it won't foot. get. To, it won't grow completely in a pot. It is gotcha. something that needs to be in a. In uh, yeah, in the in ground, earth. nice soil. You know, good soil. It needs an extensive root good, system. Yeah. Probably. Good good drainage. Yeah. Um, it does like to be in full sunlight or partial shade. Partial shade, But this is one of those plants that's considered invasive. So there, because uh, it likes to, it's so perennial. If you're going to plant it in the earth, take all the precautions you would take with mint. Exactly. Right. Build yep. a box and, and plant sure, it in that. And make sure that you are not in Colorado, Minnesota, Montana, Wyoming, parts of Washington, or Canada, because it's illegal to plant tansy in those areas. It must be it must be highly invasive because in those areas. It's highly invasive in those areas. <laughs> but it is surprisingly though, in spite of the fact that it's kind of, you know, it's a wanderer, mm-hmm. it does actually make an excellent companion plant for a variety of different vegetables because it it smells like camphor. So it's not something that you'd really want to sniff. 
necessarily, but it's good for keeping. I'm going to stop and smell the tansy. Exactly. <laughs> but it's good for keeping mosquitoes and ants right. and things like that away. Pests. So a lot of times people will use tansy oil, the essential oil, mm-hmm. uh, oh, in, in herbal, in blends. Yeah, for pest control blends. Okay. Things like that. And for as far as magic is concerned, it's ruled by water and the planet Venus. It is associated with Gemini the in the Zodiac. It is uh, a feminine, you know, if you're going to put it in feminine masculine, <laughs> it is a feminine herb. You should um, see the, the big the air, quotes air quotes that she directs specifically at me. <laughs> um, it is surprising, not surprisingly, because it is, a, is an in bulk, I suppose, because of the St. Bridget. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sacred to Mary, the, the Virgin, oh, the Virgin Mary. Mary. Yeah, Virgin Mary. Because, and I'm assuming it's because, you know, right the association these... is because of Brigitte's or St. Bridget Bridget as as the midwife. As a midwife. It is also, though, associated with immortality and youth, so it is therefore sacred to Hebe and Ganymede, um, who were the cupbearers for the gods. (laughs) (laughs) It's also an excellent herb for honoring gods and goddesses that are associated with death and rebirth. (laughs) It was used a lot in uh, funerary kinds of situations. Um, The ancients used it as an abortificant. So yeah. it is definitely not something that pregnant women or nursing do mothers not, do not take internally. Should, should use or take internally. It is used by some herbalists, but most herbalists do say it's not something for the lay person to, mm-hmm. to use as far as internally. For spells, it's good for longevity, protection, to keep evil out of the home, and for overall health. So you can use it to, you know, to make charms or potions. Uh, well, not, you know, not potions, like essential oil right. blends for to dress your candles, things like that. Again, it is related to ragweed. So if you are allergic to ragweed, you might want to pass this one by. Um, it is not for internal use. And if you do decide to grow tansy, you don't want to confuse it with tansy ragwort. It's They're very similar. But whereas tansy has button-like yellow flowers, mm-hmm. the tansy ragwort is more of a, like a sunburst okay. kind of a flower. So it's, it's more, it's got more points to it, I guess. Right. And it's very highly toxic. Oh, good. Yeah, it's highly toxic. Why do we name all these things the same similar? thing? Similar, yeah. So be very... If you are looking, you know, if you're like wild crafting and you mm-hmm. think you have found tansy, make sure it's not tansy ragwort because that is is highly volatile and, and dangerous. I mean, as a rule, if you're wild crafting, double check your yeah your IDs on everything, everything. But it again, even though I don't recommend it for internal use, yeah, it it's very useful to have in your garden as long as you're not in a state that it prohibits its growing, and, and as long as you're not too worried about the rest of and your garden, as long as you're not, you know, and I. <laughs> I think it's good for, I think it's, I read, it's good for growing next to like potatoes and, mm. and other types of gourds. Because it creates, types and, and, you said it and, creates potassium. Yeah, as well. root yeah. vegetables because it, it, uh, it puts potassium in the ground. It discourages pests that would invade those plants while yeah. they're trying to grow, that kind of thing. So yeah, do some research, grow some tansy, you might uh, find use for it. That's it for Queen's Garden Gems. <laughs> Why the laugh? Because you started very weak, but then you, like, rapidly realized that it was too weak, and you picked it up. I don't have a whole lot to talk about here, because... It's because I don't... Yeah, I don't... don't, This is not your jam. Yeah, I don't get involved with Brigid. 
Hilariously, at least I think it's hilarious, Mom gave me a book about Brigid to read to sort of prep for this episode. Well, you asked. You, she I asked, She came yeah. to me and said, can I borrow a book? I said, I have two. Which one do you want? Yeah. This one is more, I, I think I even told you. Yeah, you this, told me. This, this one's one got more, more history more and this history. one's more devotional. This one's more devotional. She picked the devotional picked one. the devotional one because Gwyn was reading the historical one. And I said I would twitch. <laughs> I had no problem with that. And I didn't want to lose her place in her book because that would bother me. So I got, I read the devotional one. And it was, I mean, it was interesting in kind of an abstract way, but... Abstracty? <laughs> abstracty. It was abstract. It was interesting in an abstract way, but I didn't, as usual, when I, I, I try this periodically, I try to, like, connect with Celtic gods and sort of... Right. That's okay. I make an attempt, and I never... I appreciate the attempt, I guess. <laughs> I, okay. I never get a ping back, so uh, I don't, I just don't do it. But so, yeah, so I read the book and I got nothing, like, I was supremely bored. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be fair, I find it to be a little bit of a boring book as well. <laughs> but we I didn't won't be reviewing that book. Yeah, no. But like I didn't I mean I just didn't I just don't connect with Brigitte. Yeah. Fair enough. And I don't know if that's part of my just general inability to connect with the Celtic Pantheon, or if that's just because Brigid's got like a lot going on. And it's sort of hard sometimes with goddesses who have a lot of faces or, or deities in general who have a lot of faces. To, to, connect to, to connect with one specific face. I haven't had as much trouble with that with the with my pantheon, with the Norse gods, but I have occasionally had instances where like I'm trying to connect to a specific face and I keep getting this other one. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess right. you, you're the boss. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a lot to say about Imbolc specifically. Anything else happen I mean, in heathens, Norse around this time of year? Heathens do two things around this time of year. Not exactly at February 2nd, but sort of through the month of February. Mm-hmm. There's Disting, which we've mentioned before. Yep. Um, I don't celebrate it that's at this time because I, I celebrate the Dees, which are the, the female ancestors, at uh, Yule. On Mother Night. On Mother Night. Um, so I don't feel the need to like have another holiday twice. immediately thereafter. Right. Also, so I'm doing the same thing. The other thing that heathens do at this time is the charming of the plow, which is kind of an Anglo-Saxon thing. It's post-Christianization, but it's got a very pagan flavor to it. So the charming of the plow was, it would happen around February or March, and all the farmers would take their plows down to the church and get them blessed by the priest, so that the idea was that God would bless their fields. Gotcha. And then... The priest would also bless salt, uh, little like individual portions of salt, mm-hmm. and give them to the farmers who came, so that they could use that making their bread. Oh, interesting! This was pathetic magic, basically. right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and I know some of the farmers who got that salt, rather than baking it into their bread, would take it into their barn and sprinkle it at the four corners to discourage pests. Mm-hmm. Was the idea? Gotcha. Was and that evil. if you bless the barn, then nothing gets into the barn and messes with your wheat, yep. right, or whatever mm-hmm. that you farm. And again, <laughs> it's, it's a smart thing to do. Uh huh. Yeah, and that's a that's a post that's a Christian thing that happens right. in in Germany and in mm-hmm. Anglo-Saxon areas. But it's got it's like I said, it's got a very pagan flavor to it, and. What? But uh, no, I was just going to say, I think a lot of these things, though, like what we were talking about with St. Bridget's, even <laughs> the uh, the St. Bridget processions with the Bridget doll mm-hmm. is reminiscent of the ancients when they would make their effigies of, of the goddess and bring them into their homes for blessing. Yeah, I 
the thing with the charming of the plot is that there's no evidence there was ever there was a pagan ever custom pagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that amounted to this. But it's been sort of adopted, I guess, by modern heathens, mm-hmm. uh, especially mm-hmm. the ones who are not strict reconstructionists. Gotcha to do a charming of the plow with Thor, for example, mm-hmm. who is a patron of farmers. Oh, makes sense. Um, yeah, because he bring the rain. What if what if they don't have a plow? What did they do? Well, there are some different schools of thought on this. So some people say that, you know, even if you aren't a farmer, you should have some sort of connection to the earth. So you should have blessed whatever tools you use in that. So if you have a garden, you should bless your oh. spade or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, some people say that the idea is less to bless the land and more to bless your work, your, your action, the thing, whatever thing it is you do that brings prosperity into your house. Mm -hmm. So you should have blessed whatever the tools of your work are. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, I like it too. Um, I think it's more... I think it's an important acknowledgement of the fact that, like, we're past an agricultural agricultural time in society. Mm -hmm. You know, we're post-industrialization. Right. I know there are a lot of pagans who sort of yearn for an agricultural time, although I I don't think you yearn for it as much as you think you do. (laughs) It's hard life working on a farm, were, I think if you were thrown back in time Mm -hmm. to an agricultural period in society, you would regret it. (laughs) But uh, there's a nostalgia about it, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah. And I understand that. I understand a desire to sort of connect with nature. All you have to do is watch some of those television shows where they put people they in do Iron that, yeah. Age <laughs> villages and see how difficult life was for these people. They can rethink that. <laughs> yeah. Most of them do. Most of them do, yeah. And then you, you always get that one, like, high school science teacher who's like, I'm going to build a water filter. <laughs> yeah, those shows are actually very amusing if you've never watched one. <laughs> Yeah, so no, I understand where that impulse comes from. But I think it is important to acknowledge sort of that we're not there anymore. Yeah. Like, bring your religion to where you're at. Societies change. And so what we should be able to adapt mm-hmm. in, in what is our... Adopt and adapt. Yeah, adopt and adapt. And yeah. adapt. Yeah. We don't have to lose our traditions or, or exactly. the ideas, those traditions. And part of this is because I'm not a strict reconstructionist. I'm a, right. a, what I guess is called a revivalist now. Where, like, I, yes, I do some, some things in ye old ancient tradition, but also I have a computer that I think probably has some kind of spirit in it. So, so who would knows? you, would you ask the gods to bless your computer then? Yeah, probably, cause that's, and the mic and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the tools of my work. Those are the things I use. We even talked about that when we talked about the building your book and the mm-hmm. fact that my book lives on, on, in the cloud. In the cloud. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you bless the cloud? Yeah, BTW, <laughs> tech witches still get at me. Tech witches. Nobody got at me. I know. We need some tech witches, man. Gotta figure Shout out how to out. the cloud. Right. Anyway, <laughs> I've still been percolating that in the back of my brain. Cleanse no, so I think cloud. of this. And there are a few other things that heathens do during this time, depending on sort of what kindred you're in. Like, there's Vali's Blot, which is <laughs> Edred Thorson back the, in the day. The eyes are rolling, people. <laughs> Edred Thorson back in the day was like, well, Valentine's Day, Vali is a god. We could celebrate Vali here, so that they do now. Gotcha. Vali's got nothing to do with Valentine's Day, but some people do that now. But aside from that, the Charming the Plow, I think, is the, the closest analog to Imbolc, because it emphasizes starting things. Right. right. It emphasizes getting out of that 
stagnant period, that Mm -hmm. rest period, which was necessary, but which is, you know, Mm -hmm. done now. Mm -hmm. Now that the sun is coming back and the snow is hopefully starting Mm -hmm. to melt. Good gods, yes. (laughs) It's time to start doing work again. And I think the Charming the Plow is probably the closest to analog to that in in heathen, modern heathen culture. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. If I was going to give suggestions for gods you could work with at this time, uh, I would say Freyr and his wife Gerder. Because, first of all, Freyr has a lot of associations with uh, planting things uh, and earth and fertility in general. Uh, so much fertility. And his wife... <laughs> <laughs> so much fertility. So much fertility. And his wife, Gerder, is a Jotun who he lost his mind over, gave up his sword, which could fight by itself. It's the only weapon that can do that BTW. Uh, he gave up his sword to his servant in exchange for Skirner, the servant, going to fetch Gerd and asking her to marry him. Uh, and eventually she agrees. But so Gerd and, and Freyr have a really interesting dynamic where we don't know a whole lot about Gerd. Her name means sort of enclosed space, so I associate her with gardens or like walled gardens, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Especially since Freyr is associated with agriculture, so I think of her as in terms of gardening, Mm -hmm. just like a smaller sphere agriculture sort of thing. More personal, more home life oriented. But Gerder and Freyr are important to me in a way that's sort of hard to describe. To wed Gerder, to win her hand, he had to give up the one weapon he had. Freyr chooses not to be a warrior, chooses not to be a fighter and decides instead that he is going to devote himself to this woman, outside woman even, this Jotun, whom he loves. I think they're really valuable and important for this time because Yule and and winter are are time where it's really, really easy to get isolated. Mm-hmm. A time where it's really, really easy to back off and decide that Decide to be selfish, essentially. Not in a malicious way, but just in sort of even a self-protective way. But you are in the way of Freyr. You are more powerful when you make yourself vulnerable to the people that you love. And although this is not about Valentine's Day, I think spend time now while you're starting things loving the people that are close to you as openly and without edges as you can. Because Imbolc is a time of beginnings and things mm-hmm. like that, it's also a time of purification. Mm-hmm. I think that works in that regard as well. Move it on over into, you know, 14 days later when, when, <laughs> Val- when, Valentine's when Saint Day. Valentine's yeah. Day <laughs> rolls around. Rolls around. Yeah. Yeah. And it can, I think that's, I think that's cool. I think that's really valuable. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I do for this time since Brigid is not Returning my calls. <laughs> and now it's time for... Cars Feast Table. Cars Feast Table. <laughs> it's always going to make me laugh. We're getting there. We're getting better <laughs> We're at getting it. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> All right. So for the Cars Feast Table part of today is uh, Mulligatani Soup. Mm. So slightly different to Mulligatani Stew. Um, I just like saying Mulligatani. I know. It's a great word. <laughs> Mulligatani. <laughs> Don't know how you'd spell it. I, I enjoy saying it. I've never heard of it. M-U-L-L-I-G-A-T-A-W-N-Y. Mulligatani. Mulligatani. Yes. Uh, so it's three tablespoons of butter, a tablespoon of vegetable oil, one large chopped onion, two stalks of celery thinly sliced, three diced carrots, one and a half tablespoons of curry powder, 
two tablespoons of all-purpose flour, five cups of chicken stock, two tablespoons of long grain white rice, which does not sound like a lot. No, it doesn't. But yeah. rice does, you know, swell up. It, yep. it swells up. Uh, two tomatoes, peeled and chopped. Gee, this is where you lose me. <laughs> Eight ounces of chicken, cooked and diced, although you could do lamb. Oh, yeah. That be interesting. Yeah. Yep. And then one small apple, cooked, peeled, cored, diced, and then you salt to taste. Yeah, see there, I'm completely gone. <laughs> but I, I still <laughs> you, think it You lost be... me first at the tomato, and then the apple comes around, and I'm just, ooh, <laughs> nope, can't do it. I have, but I have I've this... Done, but I've done apple in mm-hmm. stuff before that you've liked. Yeah, it's got to be real specific. <laughs> like, I won't do, like, an applesauce and pork. No, but there, <laughs> you can put apple into... A savory dish, and you would not know <laughs> I that guess. it's there. Trust me. I'll make it. It's make also, it, it depends on the kind of apple, too. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's so true. if you did a, a Granny Smith that's a little bit more... That's tart. tart yeah, that's true. You know, it's going to help, that's I think. That's true. I would that, probably be more okay yep, with that. You're going to make a quick reduction, so you're going to heat some butter mm-hmm. and oil in the saucepan. Then you're going to throw in your onions and your celery and your carrots, and you're going to mm-hmm. sweat them down for about a minute. Until, until they're they, delicious. Right. Mm-hmm. Until they're getting soft. <laughs> And then uh, you're going to stir in the curry powder and the flour and cook that for about a minute. And that's going to create kind of a roux Mm -hmm. with some of those vegetables in it. It's going to create a roux if you're not me and are therefore capable of creating a roux. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that hard. (laughs) Um, Then you stir in your stock and bring it to a boil. Add your rice and stir well. Cover it for about 20 minutes so it's not a very long process. Mm -hmm. Stirring occasionally. And then at the end, you're going to add your tomatoes unless you're... Ode, in which case you're not going to. <laughs> or chop um, them very finely. <laughs> right, I guess. Diced. I guess. Yeah. Your, uh, your cooked and diced chicken and or lamb, your apple and some salt. Then you're going to cover it again. Let it simmer for about 15 minutes. You can garnish it with celery leaves and some carrot strips if you desire, but it is a to be served hot soup. I wonder if you could throw cheese in there. <laughs> you want to, we want to, we as a family want to put cheese in everything, but <gasps> I'll confess to being intrigued by a, a lamb and Granny Smith. So, that if would be you, interesting. Yeah. I think if you made this, if you wanted to include the cheese element. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's rolling his eyes. <laughs> um, if you made it in a, uh, or made, made the soup and then put it into a bowl that was small enough in diameter that mm-hmm. you could fit like a piece of Munster. Oh, over, right over yeah. top, right, right over top of it, over it. And then, yeah, let it melt mm-hmm. down on it, kind of like you would do a French onion right. soup yes. uh, with the with the top on there. Um, so, But I think Munster would go really well with this. Hmm. Might have nice. to try this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sensing a something for maybe in bulk. <laughs> Have fun with that. (laughs) (laughs) See, Carr doesn't ever cook. He has strong opinions about cooking, as evidenced by the fact that he was just rolling his eyes about having to include a cheese element in his (laughs) recipe. But, but, and the fact that Carr's feast table is the segment he ended up with. But he almost never cooks. Nope, it's me. I'm the chief cook and bottle washer around here. Because, and I think we've explained this before, is is that when I cook, it's an an all day day process. There is no like quick cooking for me. He's going to make like a five course meal it's gonna take 24 hours to create it's true so it just you know there will be at least one element that had to chill for three days (laughs) all right so are we done i think and there's probably an alcohol pairing (laughs) yes i think we're done but yes we are done with (laughs) car's feast table
And are we done with the show then? I, I yeah, I think, think so. I think so. we've covered think everything. We've covered- I mean, we covered Brigitte in quite a bit of detail. I think. We did. We did. And so, in bulk. So if you want to find us and you have no clue who we are. <laughs> if someone who sent the fuck you are a- these people <laughs> and why are they talking to us? <laughs> if, if someone sent you a link to this with no explanation, right. I guess. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook if you just look up Three Pagans and a Cat mm-hmm. or Three, P-A-A-C, Three Pack. You can also find us on Twitter at three underscore pagans. Um, we are also on YouTube, although we are not caught up on YouTube with all of the episodes. Yeah. Um, they will be shortly-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. Shortly-ish. Shortly-ish. Google Plus, we're not as active as we were when we first <laughs> Which started. Which is fine, because I, I think I, I think heard Google, Google Plus, Plus was getting shut away. down. So. That's, that's very well possible. So. We do have a Patreon. You can find that link on our website, which yeah. is the number three pagansandacat.com. All of our services that are offered are there, including mine now, because we actually did have somebody contact us and ask if I would do an ohm reading. So that's now listed on there as well. Our speaking stuff is on there. Uh, What else? Uh, We're talking about getting that newsletter up and running. Yeah, so more of magazine than newsletter. Yep. Is uh, going to be community. We're Paganis. refitting the newsletter. Yes, it's taking us a coon's age. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, we've been <laughs> we got sick, been and... sick, and we've got several other projects yeah. going. We're writing the book finally. Yes, yeah. we are. We are started on the book uh, that people have been asking about the building your book book. That... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> building your book. Building I am in the process book. of writing the rough draft. Yep. Right. Yep. And then we, uh, Ode and I will add our. Yeah, we will be contributing. Flavored we will be contributing portions. elements. Right. But Gwyn is the, you know, the published author in the house, so she's the one who gets to write the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the bulk of the text. <laughs> also, we are doing a fundraiser for Convocation to try to help offset some of the costs of mm-hmm. that. So yeah. if you're interested in that, we have a GoFundMe for it. It's already actually already on the Facebook page. I'll send it to Twitter later tonight. And did you come up with a yearly, uh, a way to yearly? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we had several people who have said... Support. I don't want to do the every month Patreon thing. Which we I, get. Right. Oh, yeah. Totally. I just want to send you guys money. So, and then have like a oh, yearly yeah. hunter privilege or Correct. whatever. Correct. Yes. Right. Um, so what we have done for that is we have used the Cash app, uh, which is done by Square. So it's very reputable. And if you would like to do that, you just need to send us money on the Cash app. Which is the dollar sign, because that's how the cash app works. Three P A A C, so three pack, and put in the dollar amount that it is for a hunter. So that's ten dollars. So that'd be one hundred twenty dollars, yeah. mm-hmm. and that would get you the hunter level for the year. Yep, and I will be creating a spreadsheet of everyone who creates a, a yearly subscription, essentially this way, and I will monitor your access to the Discord yep. manually. Mm-hmm. It looks like there's a question up Yeah, there. Goodwin has a question. I can't remember. Is Imbolc the fire festival where you should burn things that are indicative of events and relationships that you want to put stamp of finality to the end of? You mentioned it in one of the Wheel of the Year episodes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we can't remember either. I think it was not Imbolc, no. though. No. I think it was... Was it Beltane? It might be Beltane. I think it was... Because technically... I yeah, think Balefire. Actually... I think it was Beltane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's it for us. Convocation, convocation Convocation is February 21st. That's the first day of Convocation, and it carries on through to the 24th, 24th? I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. We um, will be posting 
yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be posting a con episode essentially to say we were here. Right. Yep. Uh, and then all those interviews will go up at assorted times, and patrons will get priority access to yep. them. And if you all are interested in going in convocation, I would suggest going. Uh-huh. I yeah. would not suggest if you live outside of the <laughs> Detroit area trying to do a one-day no. thing. We did um, it last year, and it sucked. Right. I mean, con was, con was fine, but the process sucked. Right. I would definitely get a hotel room, although the hotel that it's in is sold out. Booked, yeah. Um, but if you... There are several other hotels in the area. Mm-hmm. Just to give you an idea on the guests of honor for this year, it is, mm-hmm. oddly enough, Tess Whitehurst, Ivo Dominguez, Storm Fairywolf, and Devin Hunter. Lots of featured presenters as well, including Jason Mankey. Mm-hmm. Ken Day, Ellen Duggan, Clifford Hartley Lowe uh, will also be there. So um, lots of good people. And which Dr. Then, Utu? Uh, yes. And which Dr. Utu is actually going to be putting out his brand new book there. Yeah, yeah. And this will be the yeah, first it's be place the debut. that it's available. He's doing book signings, I think. He is indeed doing book signings. So website is just convocation.org. Uh, we'll link but it we'll on the Facebook, it, too. Yep. yep. We'll link it Con- on the Facebook, and we'll also stick it into the link for uh, this episode. Yeah, so. convocation.org. And I think they may still have uh, pre-register- early, registr- early, early registration, registration. prices available. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yep. you want to get that if you can. Yeah. It's it's more expensive at the door. Yep. Significantly. Well, not significantly. No, but... but, but en- uh, enough. 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 Yeah. Yep. Enough. But if you live anywhere in the Midwest... This is people come from all over. It's a, it's people a huge, are coming down from Canada, yeah. And so it's a it's a big deal. It's a Thursday through Sunday, um, huge event, yep. and very the, very much worth the time and the money. Yeah, yep. the the one day we went to last year was oh, great. Was so I'm, yep. I'm really looking forward to it this year. Yep. Me too. Yep. All right, thanks guys. We love you all very much, and yep. uh, we're done. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Okay. Have a have a happy in bulk and right. uh, whatever our. You know, people in the Southern Hemisphere are celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> we always have to figure that out. Yeah, we never, we Because they don't celebrate it. in bulk no. until August. <laughs> but what happens in August? That would be Lamas, uh, Lunasad? Lunasad. Happy, yeah. happy maybe happy, Lunasad, happy Southern maybe Hemisphere. Lunasad, Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop the episode. Yep. Okay. All right, so the recording's going to be stopped right now. Click. Click. Click, damn it. <laughs> You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.